I am unashamed. What about you? Hey, everybody's been out of shape because I killed a spider. Look, when you live in Louisiana. <laughs> I like to think about what's it doing to you. Well, nothing if it's dead, but if it's alive and it crawls and bites you, then it's doing something. I to got you. a message to all venomous spiders. Stay in your lane. <laughs> well, stay outside. I'm married to a woman who is extremely afraid of all critters, and she happens to be in Louisiana. And, and we're surrounded. I, I've quoted Acts 17 to her many times. God determined the time set for us and the exact places where we should live. <laughs> so quit griping about there's so many insects and things with claws and, and teeth and stingers here. This this place is dangerous. I took so. a guy duck hunt from Missouri and he looked down at the ground and he said, I've never been to any place to where the ground was constantly moving <laughs> yeah. with, with various things That's crawling. Right. He yeah. said, I've never seen anything like this. The ground just seemed like it's alive with critters crawling around. I said, there's a lot of things crawling through the the grass and the weeds around here. And most things will hurt you. They'll sting you, bite a you. A lot of stinging, just a lot of stinging critters. <laughs> and if you're, you know, unfortunately, you know, some, brown some... recluse, black widows, we have far more. These brown recluses are, are just that, reclusive. Hard to <laughs> spot them. You know, I'm looking for the, for the you know, the bass fiddle on the back, whatever. But, uh, but black widows... We run into those all yeah. the time. Well, and it's a bad bite. And we're kind of where we are, where we do the podcast, we're kind of stuck out here. There's no a lot of the structures around us. So all the varmints think, hey, this looks like a good place to hang out. So they like to get in your boots, in your waders. I mean, every year I have a massive shaking and like everything I, before I put stuff you on. You walk through tall grass in Louisiana of any kind. Yep. You walk through brush. And there are things, a lot of things, crawling on you, and a lot of them will pot mark you from one end to the other. <laughs> I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's it's something. It is. Oh, the other night you we heard had... a chiggers. I mean, look, the, the, there's some weeds out in this. For some reason, if you're born and raised here, it doesn't seem as bad on you as it does other people. But you get a certain amount of immunity to it or something. Yep. Well, the other night it was about dust dark. We had our friends in from Texas, the Van Normans. Missy's got supper ready, and they're kind of waiting on me. Well, it I, sounds like they should be like this from like a castle somewhere, like the I Van Normans. Love, I, I mean, their, I love their name. <laughs> <laughs> and this old boy. Who's visiting? Man, I think the Van Normans are coming in. He me. literally looks like he just got off a bull at all times. <laughs> he doesn't look yeah. like a Van Norman. <laughs> no, that's what makes it so I know, cool, it's you funny. Know? They're, they're two of the best people I know. And uh, they got their kids there, you know, and I'd given their their son, he's 13, I'd give him a duck call lesson. It was his first duck call. And he's got the fever, you know, which I think is good. I was telling him, I was like, this, you need to take him duck hunting. Because I took him fishing, which was embarrassing because I caught all the fish. I mean, we all go to Willie's Pond, and I actually called Willie because I didn't want him to see a bunch of strangers around. <laughs> Say what's going on. Well, I'm proud of you. You're leaving your sneaky ways, and now you're just, you know, being up. He's like, Who is it? I was like, The Van Normans. He said, Oh, they sound interesting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But 
I I caught we were because they had never caught a bass bigger than six pounds, and Willie he's got bass in there. I, the biggest one I've caught there was almost nine pounds, but I caught it on a jig bow. I was fishing for his crappie, and uh, so I know they're in there, but they couldn't catch one, and I don't know what to say. We're all throwing there, and <laughs> you think well, just well, just law of averages, but just didn't happen. So anyway, they got to watch me catch some pretty good bass and uh, and a couple crappie. So I go back. I'm there. Missy has supper ready, and so I'm putting my dog. My dog stays in the garage. He always has in his little kennel. He loves it. Well, I'm leaning down to lock the little kennel, and just I heard coming from a pretty high rate of speed, and it nicked my hat. And I turned around, and it was an insect. I, I didn't know what it was. It was big. Well, that triggered me, you know, my reaction, because it, it came at me. It forced the issue. And so I swung, nicked it, and then it just started buzzing, coming at me. Well, now I'm falling down, <laughs> just trying to turn into a fight. So finally I got my hands on a boat paddle, which I'm not sure how, and I – I just hit the side of the wall when it when it lit because I wanted to see what this thing was, you know. But I didn't realize that through all the commotion, well, the Van Normans and Missy's like, "What's going on?" They thought me and the dog, the dog was loose, but I was loose. <laughs> and, there, and so Missy just had that look of sheer embarrassment. She's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm trying to kill this bee or whatever it is out here." And I think I got him. Of course, then I. I'm not sure what it was. I'd never seen that particular insect uh, on its spectrum. It but may it have been did. one of these new hornets. They got some kind of hornets that have come in from the far east that are supposed to be well, some maybe bad that's what hombres. I, kill. I mean, this joker was they a call them killer me. hornets or something. I don't know. So now, you know, guess what? I had to do a because it scared her so bad because I gave her the visual image. <laughs> And she's now she's like, well, Nate, you got to check all the rooms where we can sleep. And here we go. You know, now I'm like, I forget who I married in the in the moment because I shouldn't have shown her that because now she's going to have nightmares about it. Before you got here yesterday when we were recording. So I come in, there's a big old, I mean, a big old purple wasp. He was a, he was a bull. And I thought about Missy because she was just here, you know, last week. And that sucker was flying around and he had the look like I'm fixing to zap somebody, but I got the old hat, you know, the old hat pop knocked him down and then stomped him in the, well, I told the, the she would have freaked out though. Oh, scream, holler. <laughs> so, and that used to, it used to scare me when she'd scream and holler, you know, cause I think, Oh no, something's really happened. No, it's just a roach. <laughs> went, went across the floor. You know, I'll go in there and kill him. <laughs> we move on. But I told that son, I said, have you ever been stung by a wasp? And he said, every summer in the same place. I said, do what? He said, under our steps. Everyone, I come down, there's a wasp nest under there. I said, have you ever thought about getting up under there and killing those wasps, removing? And he's like, well, I, I, I never have thought about it. I was like, that's what you do. And he's like, well, I asked my dad. I was like, don't ask your dad. No, no, no. Just I kill. Said, Just go. If they're stinging you every time you come down the step, look, we love wasps, but they're in the wrong lane. They're That's in right. your lane. That's right. Take them out. I did the same thing. So last weekend, we're down at the Southern Lair. I got all the grandkids there, and they're all about to leave. 
you know, which Lisa and I are praise the Lord because, you know, you got them for four days in a confined space. I'm ready for them to head to Louisiana. So they're all getting ready. And Sage is with them, although her parents weren't there. And Sage is sometimes a little bit of a handful. So we're there five minutes. The cars are running. We're getting ready. We start loading people in the car seats. And all of a sudden I hear, I hear the crying. I said, uh-oh. Well, a, a wasp has stung Sage right on the neck, right on the throat, right here at the – and it's a big old ugly welt, you know, that's come up. And, of course, it's it's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth because she's dramatic anyway. She's little frisky, that's what you call it. You got little frisky and big frisky. And um, I thought, oh, my gosh, we're, we're literally five minutes from everybody hitting the road, and now we got to go through all this yeah. drama. So as soon as we got her patched up, you know, once we got her, you know, it quit stinging quite so bad. You know, Lisa's doing all this stuff. And as soon as they left the thing, I took two cans of washbread and I just went on a vendetta till I was going to find where is that coming from? Because it was right on my back porch mm-hmm. down there. And I found it. It took me a little while, but they'd built a little little nest up under an eave. And I found the suckers and I killed every one of them because I was just like... That's what they do. You know, the little kids coming by right before they face a load up in the car and you get the old zapper. But, you know, you got to take care of business. Well, well these right? people that complain about, you know, they don't want to walk on the ground because they might step on a bug and all and don't kill a spider and all this. They'll get in their car and the number one killer of all insects in the world is a windshield. <laughs> Or a front bumper. When you when you what, leave you know, duck man? blinds, when you leave duck blinds on the last day of January, you you walk away from them, or or motor away from them. We keep up with them if the backwater comes up, retie them all this. But the whole time, they're pretty good sized little houses where it was you can shoot six or seven people on the front bay. They have roofs. They're all made out of wood on cypress logs, you can imagine. But but wasp nests, when you get back back in there to say, well, let's clean it out. You leave in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, teal season, it's coming October, up. November. So eight to ten months later, <clears throat> you decide to <clears throat> go up in there, whether you're brushing it or whatever. But it is quite the ordeal to... <laughs> Go from one end to the other. You're just looking to the right and left, hoping you don't miss any. But just I'm seeing wasp nests like that, bigger than paper plates. I mean, bigger huge. than paper plates. You know, 200 wasp on them, and it, it just rains wasp when you spray them. <laughs> yeah. So you just walk in with a can of spray in both hands, yep. crawl along. You're watching so you don't run up on a cottonmouth <laughs> while you're there. But I've seen cottonmouths inside the blind. Call up, ready to bite you, and look up, and wasp are above you, and cottonmouths are below you, and so it's a it's a house of horrors. When I introduced Dan the eunuch to the whole the whole thing, I mean, you know, I made a professional out of him. I said, Dan, get in there and spray them wasp out. So I trained him how to do it. So he goes up in there better him than me. So but, part of the prize of youth. But one mistake is, is he a pretty good? Does he take care of business pretty he good? Got, he got stung a lot earlier, but now he's a lot better not getting stung as much as he used he to. He kind of knows to be wary. Oh, we've knows. seen alligators and raccoons. <laughs> I mean, everything. Buzzards. You, you build a house in the woods. But I would say the hornets, the ground yellow jackets, the ground bumblebees. The, the 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 bees that live in the earth holes in the ground 
they're the worst ones. You run over with bush hogs and whatever, and you yeah. just look behind you, just a cloud. It's better to be having a a, a, a roof <laughs> on a tractor and walls. Than just sitting out in the oh, open. Uh, yeah. Oh, much better. They just bouncing off the tractor, you know, but you have to do something about those because they can, they can, they'll swarm you. Oh, yeah. And they're painful. And they'll those, run you a long way. You those, can run 100 yards and they'll follow you and they keep stinging you. That's right. Which a, is to Jace's point a minute ago, because people are like, oh, why do you want to kill these things? But they're, they, they pursue you. So it's, you, it's a big country. It's defense. And there'll always be plenty of wasps. And what we're doing is just, temporarily beating them back but but it needs to be done there's way you, more of them than you there won't are be able us. to go duck hunting inside a structure that's full of wasps you just can't do it no inhabitable you'll see the remains of wasp nests in there where we sprayed them the nests are still there but the wasps are gone you know or it's ant fire ants or another a lot of them will make a comeback to return ease they'll start and they'll start on another nest you know hey i there. quote romans 1 22 and 23 Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. And I'll throw in insects. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure that was included in the general animal. Well, it's funny because we talk about wasp and all that stuff, but in, in the Old Testament, it was the locust. It was all the stuff that ate their crops was what they were always leery of you know they'd start on one end of a field a lot of them what we call grasshoppers would be locusts right you know we think about locusts in the pestilence trees. right i don't hear as many locusts as i used to about every nine or ten years they well, have i think cycle. that's got something to do with your hearing though you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it could be yeah. could be you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i was just up in tennessee i had not you know we didn't get the cicadas here but all along the east coast yeah, well, I was in Tennessee. I mean, you—it was deafening. Yeah, how loud it was. Strange. It used to be that way around here, but I don't hear them like I, I, don't, I don't hardly hear them at all here, which is funny. I don't. I know, hear just... locusts at night. I mean, they're and yeah. my dogs. You know, they 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 seem to. I've I don't seen years. Killing them or they're dying. All over the ground, their their shells. You know. Well, you know, and some they of them come the, out of the ground. Yeah, and there's like a it's a every so often a every, long cycle for the cicadas. Oh, every like nine or ten years. Right, it's quite a quite. Right, irregular. Let's take a break. So one of the things, Dad, that I appreciate about getting older is, you know, you're starting to recognize that this life is pretty temporary. I mean, we're not here long. We are How not. fast does 75 years go by? Like a, well... What James say? Like a like a vapor, a vapor in the like morning, like a steam coming up. off the. Oh, you look up, you're gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, when you're young and you're strong, you have aches, you have pains, you don't think much about it because you're just kind of going through it. When you're a little bit older, you're starting to figure out what can I do to make myself or help myself feel a little bit better. Pain comes from inflammation, and one of our sponsors, Omega XL, has done a great job to attack inflammation. They've got 35 years of uh, clinical research behind this product, and it comes from the pristine waters of New Zealand and really does a good job. So stiff joints, muscles, things like this, uh, that's what it's made for. So if you're suffering with these aches and pains, you need to try Omega XL. And here's what you do. Go to OmegaXL.com slash fill. You're going to buy a bottle. You're going to get a second bottle for free. So it's a two-month supply, which is, they said about eight weeks is when it really kicks in and helps you. OmegaXL.com slash fill, or you can call them 800-844-4888. 
800-844-4888, omegaxl.com slash Phil to help with the inflammation. Well, Jace, you remember when we were kids, it was the killer pillars, that, which they're every so many oh, they years. they still have them. I know, but it's like, yeah. every, it's like every seven years, 14 years, something like that. So, Jace, oh. if you brought Romans all together from Romans 1. Read that. Start out, Jace. Read the, the last few verses of Romans 16 again, and then we'll go I back. I mean, he summed I up kind the book with yeah, this. Yeah, do that sum up that you with close this with. this summation, well, I mean, Paul, via the Spirit of God, said, now to him who is able... I mean, let me just stop right there. I mean, if you just believe that about God, I mean, God is able and he's willing. If you just have those two factors of his personality in your brain, your life would get a lot better. That's exactly right. But to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, which is what we do. I mean, you just think he wrote this 2,000 years ago. More than that. And, well, I guess he wrote it just under 2,000 years ago. But right. he was proclaiming Jesus. And you think, what do we do? We go around and we proclaim Jesus when we say God is able and he's willing. According to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, which we didn't really get into what that mystery is that's hidden, but it was basically that Jesus Christ, God in human form, can live in you right? via his spirit. But now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey him. Be, by the to, way, to the only wise God be glory, Father, through Jesus Christ. By the way, the people who say, no, they're just a select few who were chosen before the beginning of time. <clears throat> They were chosen before the beginning of time. That says that all nations might believe. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son, that whoever, whomever, that's everybody, believes in him, won't perish, but have eternal life. Contrary to what you hear in recent days, some of these people coming along say, I don't know, just a select few, irresistible grace comes upon them. The Bible says the gospel of Jesus that the apostle Paul and that we just covered in 16 chapters is for everybody who wants it. Well, yeah. I think that confusion comes from, and I've had people walk up to me on the street and say, boy, you missed it on that. They're like, you know, God predestined, ordained, you know, a few to be saved. And look, God knows he's going to be saved. I don't. So we share Jesus with everybody because God loves everybody. Well, whatever the riddle is and what I just said, I mean, that's just the way it is. I don't know who's saved. I know I am. But I'm going to share Jesus and love everybody because I know that where it says God is love, he is love. Right. He, and he loves Romans, everybody. When we ran by Romans 10... During this, before we got to the, what you just said, to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the yeah. proclamation of the Lord Jesus, we're told to go <clears throat> preach the gospel to all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go preach the gospel. He that believes yeah. and 
So well, Phil, I think faith comes from hearing the message, Romans 10. You say, what's the message? Jesus died for you, was buried and raised from the dead. Yeah. That's never going to change. And that's where you have to have faith or it's impossible to please God. You must believe he exists and he will reward you if you earnestly seek him. Well, Romans 12 tells you about law, the difference between law and grace. What a wonderful thing that the gift is given to us. You have to believe it. The, the Jews, that they, they went and they, they were told that, but said, oh, they've heard it, but they've rejected it. So some reject it, the ones who accept it, and they put their faith in Jesus and what God did through Jesus. They can be saved, and immortality is theirs. It, well, I think it's that, not rocket science. I think the biggest misunderstanding is when you try to, from a human perspective, put on God your limited vision because God's outside of time and space. So when he says before the creation of the world, he predestined us in Christ, he's looking at it from his perspective yep. of not being bound by time. So yes, Jesus is right. He knows everything. He knows how it begins. He knows the middle. He knows the end. But when we put ourselves in that position say, oh, well, no, we know this, that this certain amount of people, we start applying divine principle inside the time space that's where we run into problems we, we you can't see well, it. we're not we god. begin to claim we are god that's what you do that's but exactly here's my right. point when jesus who is our speech our proclamation i just read it we introduce jesus a person not a rule system not some kind of creed when jesus came to earth he then inserted himself because he, he is eternal, too. In yes. the beginning was the Word, right. the Word's with God, and the Word was God. He inserted himself into time, which is... Which he knew he would do before is, time. And it's very hard to get your head wrapped around. <laughs> That's right. You remember, but, when but, the but, times had well, fully come, he sent Jesus. Well, so but he was not bound by time. The time came, which couldn't come in their perspective, because it is. But he, he did it. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> he became a part of time. But my point is, well, just look at some of the things he did. He chose one of his chosen, because he was with God in the beginning, who he knew would betray him. Well, what did he do that for? Why not just pick 12 that's going to follow him all the way since he in his mm -hmm. fore, foreknowledge? What was the purpose of that? To show you, you can reject it. I mean, I really don't have an answer <laughs> because I wouldn't have done that. But I think you're right. For whatever reason, he chose who he chose and he loved them. And I, I've told people who have that argument, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what, what was Judas all about? What was that all about? Why did he choose somebody? I know that he used the evil intent of Judas to lead him to his death, which would save us. But, you know, it still shows you that when, when you see picture God's love, he, he loved Judas. He washed his feet just like he washed everybody else. And I think that's what the whole point is. And the confusion is the Jews said, What's no, we're, we're God's chosen people and just us. It's over. But Sorry. You can't even Judas come in. had the ability to follow Christ faithfully like the and other that's, disciples. That's the argument. He chose not yeah. to do it. That's that's the debate point is some people would say, well, no, he never had a choice. 
but we would argue sure he did. Oh, he had a choice. Because look, he was a part of 12 men who all had a choice. That's correct. Any of those guys could have been offered the same deal that he got and make a choice on whether you're going to do it or not. What was interesting about Judas is you watch the evolution through the Gospels. He he always had a bad attitude. He always, you know, everything we see in him, there's something there wasn't quite right. But until we get to the night before, when it said, then Satan entered him, he didn't really make the last choice until the night he was going to do what he did. Yep. And then even then he regretted it and went back and threw all the money in there and, and had a, and, and then went and killed himself over it. So, I mean, you could argue he never had a choice, but I would say he had choices through the whole process. And we I don't all, know how you can argue you don't have a choice. I don't know, Which, but people do. But I'm saying we're made in the image of God, so if God gave us a choice, it seemed like he would have a choice. And remember, you, just you be- have the free will, Jace. You can believe the story we just Have you ever seen Jesus? Well, in my mind. Yeah, but but have you ever? No, I haven't s- physically laid out. Me either, yeah. but, but I believe in him. Yeah. You say, yeah. let's see, do you have the choice to say, well, I'm I'm going to repent of my sins and I'm going to follow him because he just said he'll remove them. If and when I repent, and then the new birth, you're like. Which is, you bring up an, it, issue, you bring up an interesting point about faith. I have the will, the free will to say, yes, I'm going to follow you because I love you because of what you have done, what you're now doing, what you will do. I'm all in. I'm taking my chances with you. I, I'm doing it by faith. I've never seen you. I just heard the story and I have faith in the story enough to say I'm through getting drunk, running whores. I said, I'm done with it. I'm going to follow you faithfully because I see no way out of here except through you. So, so let's take a break. So you bring up an interesting point. Everybody up until the point Jesus got here believed that somehow God was going to come here. And it was a mystery it was always a mystery, but, but they believe is he Roman coming? 16. Is the Messiah coming? Is he coming? Is he coming? When he comes, when he comes. Then he got here. And so for a few years, he was actually here and he was doing what he did for three years. And then they had a choice. Is this really him? Do I yeah. believe it? And why didn't everybody embrace him? And most didn't. Most didn't. But look at the first first three chapters of Romans. That's basically what he starts off saying. I got good news. He says it six times in the first Two paragraphs. Yeah. You know, gospel, good news. Well, then he tells, he says, I got good news, but then he spends three chapters sharing terrible news. <laughs> and it's because God let us go. God created us. He lets us go. I'm alluding to Luke 15. All sin. Yeah. And and it, it goes, and when you don't glorify God or you exchange God for a lie, or you get insects above the 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 life of an insect above God or above humans, chaos ensues. Morality gets watered down. You know, oh. he says that in Romans one. You you've exchanged the the creator for created things. So which really is what it's all about. You either put your faith and trust in a creator or created things. There's no other choice. Right. So then he goes into Romans 2, which I think in Romans 2, there's this one little statement in verse 11 that is very profound in that God does not show favoritism. 
as far as what you've done, where you're from, what you look like, whether you're a Jew, gender, God doesn't show favoritism, which kind of flies in the face of, of the point of, oh, well, wait a minute. There was just a few of his favorites. Yeah. Everybody else. Well, yeah. God doesn't show favoritism. You say, how do you know? Romans 2.11, for God does not show favoritism. That's good enough for me. Me too. It's just a blanket statement. So then he goes into Romans 3, whether you're pretty good or pretty bad, or we're all sinners. So, But now... So you get to 21, and we finally get to the good news, but you don't realize the good news of Jesus until you realize how pathetic you actually are without God. Unfortunately, that was the plan. I mean, it's hard because that's how you figure out why bad things happen to good people. We're in a sinful world, and it we we have to come to an understanding as human individuals and a human race that without God, this is not we we have no power to take care of the major problems of our society, which is mistakes and death, sin and death. We have no power to. Well, and it's the old, it's the old line we always say: you, you, Do you really understand the good news part of it if you don't understand what got you there? Which was kind of his point when he starts in one, you know, right after he says explains what the gospel is. When he picks up in one eighteen, goes all the way to three twenty one. He's saying, "Here's why you can't do it on your own." Exactly. And three different, examples. and whether you're a pretty good at it or yep. pretty bad at it. You still have to come to the same conclusion. I mean, it's like in my life, my road to Jesus was different. I mean, it wasn't as as filled with some of the more drastic things as y'all's if you just looked at individual sins. That's correct. But it doesn't matter whether you're just a complete self-indulgent or you have some self-indulgence but or you have self-righteousness. Like in my case, it was I had to struggle because the good things I would do I would try to justify that I don't need God. Oh, I'll I'll do it myself. No, nope. I wound up in the same place. <laughs> you were the guy in Romans two, you know exactly. Dad and I were more the guys in Romans one, where you just yep. you lost all sense of what yep. was right and wrong. Romans two, you pass judgment on someone else because you're not as bad as they are. But he said you're condemning yourself because you're guilty as charged, along with all the rest of them. Right, the yeah. pretty good ones, the not so good ones, the real bad ones. The ones that are pretty bad, you, you add it all up. And then he <laughs> well, also down, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then in chapter three, he uses his own example because he was a Jew who totally missed it. Yeah, big I mean, time. He, the, Paul had been Saul had been trained to recognize the Messiah through all the prophets and all the law and everything, and yet when he showed up, he was killing and torturing his followers. And there came a point in his life. When he was forced to make the same decision, everybody does. Exactly. Uh, Paul, what are you doing? Uh, who who are you? He said, I'm the one you're persecuting. That's who I am. What, what are you doing? I have a job for you to do. And he tells them the job. And look, he had a change of heart. That's right. Instantaneous change of heart. He's like, okay, I'm on the wrong side of this. He had the ability and the free will to say, I'm riding the wrong horse. I'm on the wrong track. I'm going to have to repent, and I'm a sorry, low down, the worst of them all. But he chose me from the beginning right. to chose me. People like me 
to be in positions to where they, and he did what he did throughout the book of Romans. You say, man, God is a merciful God if he saved the apostle Paul. I read the story and I said, I believe I'd make it if Paul did. That's right. <laughs> And he said, and he gets to the end of that, and he says, there's no one righteous, not even one. He quotes that scripture. So he's letting us know there's no way to do it. But then he says the key word in verse 21 of chapter 3, but, but now. Mm -hmm. And then he, that's going to lead him into this next section uh, that takes it all the way through 4, 5, and 6, where he talks about, look, now we have an well, ability to be able to understand because which, of faith. Which goes to where we started the last verse backing up, but it said that all nations might obey him. Because then he kind of sums it up in 320. I mean, we spend a lot of time in 321 through the end of the chapter there because he basically then says what we all have in common. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption of, that came by Christ Jesus. And then he presented him as a sacrifice. Because what do we all have in common? Sin. Sin. What do we have all in common? Death. We all die. We know he, he's raised. So he, it's so good that he gets to five, and then he's like, you know, after he goes through Abraham, because the idea of faith, he's not going to tap you on the shoulder and do this. When this was Roman, uh, Paul's point, that's why he brought up Abraham, because Abraham even before Jesus died and was buried and raised, saw a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection through God asking him to give up his son. And you read in Hebrews 11, it then connect the dots. Oh, it's the same gospel that's gone before he died, buried, and raised, as he did it, and then to the future. So through faith, and this being the point of the Bible, this becomes the pivotal point for all worlds right. to make their decision on. This, this was literally the clash of the spiritual forces of evil and God himself, what, what was accomplished in Jesus. So let's take another break. You're exactly right, Jason. And the reason he picked Abraham is Abraham was pre-law. That didn't come till later, till Moses. Yep. Pre-Jewish nation. Pre-kings and prophets. He was yep. pre-all that. He was, what he was telling them was, look, this goes all the way back before all the things you, you, you Jewish people are putting your trust in, including himself. This is before all that. Faith has always been the principle going and forward. And through you, Abraham, all nations would be blessed. Right. Well, that was unheard of. You know, he said, wait a minute here. The Jews would say on one side, what are you talking about? These heathen Gentiles. He said, all nations, That's all right. of them. Which is why he gets to chapter five and he lays out the principle that really you've got Adam, the first man, but then you've got Christ, who is the first redeemer of men. And he lays out those two pictures because to Jason's point, it always goes back to sin from the very beginning. First man, first woman, they sinned, they died, and that's come all the way forward. So it's a clear choice. Do you want to live that way? Or do you want to follow Jesus and find redemption for sin? So he lays out that. I love it because it's binary. And the, and the binary choice is for any of us, which is why when you get to chapter 6, he starts talking about what it means to be to die and be reborn. And the well, idea that but, comes... But, you know, Elijah but Roman, was trying to claim that, that he was the only one left that was a good... Yep. You know, yep. And, and God told him, said, no, there's some you don't know about. That's right. He's going to use him later as an example. But look, yep. if Romans 6 is not about choice, I don't know what else is. Because 
he basically came up with this response on in a, in answer to the question, well, if this grace is so good, which he touched on in Romans 5, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love. While we were sinners, in the very act, Christ still loved you and died, died for you. So as typical humans do, we're like, oh, so if, I, so if I go out there and do more sin, which is pleasurable for me, well, God's got to forgive me. Like all of a sudden, God doesn't know your heart and your intention and the choices you make, which are important because he created us with the ability to do that. So then he brings up a choice that you make about baptism, which is all it is. You're just, but you're not choosing because we've already got the fact established firmly that the righteousness is from God. Yep. That that's where that's coming from. He's providing that through Jesus. So in a weird ironic way, he gives us the ability to choose to surrender which is never going to be based on your performance because the replica he chose for us to reenact the gospel in is a choice of you performing complete surrender, which is the opposite of performance. I mean, to me, that's the ironic mm -hmm. God genius part of this. Because <laughs> you say, yeah, I, I'm going to choose Christ. Well, what do you need to do? Quit choosing. Quit <laughs> You need to give up. You're like, well, how do I do that? That That's why I think there's so much argument about baptism because a lot of people don't think it's very important because they're like, well, you can't do anything to earn your salvation. Exactly. That's why baptism is a choice of you giving up yourself because God did give us the ability to choose. You die, you're buried, you're raised. The old self is died, is crucified. I mean, I'm just quoting the, you know, what he said. We know that our old self was crucified with him. This is six six. For we, uh, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. But I think when you put put all that combination together, it doesn't nullify where the righteousness is coming from, where the grace is coming from. But you also see the ability to choose. Because then when he gets to Romans 10, 9, and 10, well, we all know that verse, that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. It's the same concept. You're, you're choosing him. And by doing that, you're, you're allowing him to have the performance and the control and, and to lead your life. So I agree. And the thing about it is you say, well, he, Ephesians 1 says, he chose us, correct, in Jesus. So so God sent his son, a part of him who he is, who he knew about before creation of time, that that would be our pathway to salvation was in Jesus. So, yes, he chose us in him. And he gets all the credit and all the glory. Yep. But we chose Jesus by faith to then understand that's how we get our relationship. So I love it. The will of God was that all men will choose me and be saved. Our will, we submit ourselves to him. He gets all the credit and glory. So when you look at this, that's exactly what he's saying well, in look, 6, 7, and 8. Jay. It's not unlike what he said in John 1, what John said about Jesus when he said, verse 10, he was in the world, and, th and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which is his own. But his own did not receive him, talking about the Jewish nation. 
And then he says in verse 12, yet to all who received him. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> received him. Like, yes, Lord, I, I believe, I choose, I call on your name, I believe, I surrender, I I'm baptized. I want to remind you of the gospel yeah. which you received and on which you've taken your stand. But watch what the wording says. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Because it's showing you, well, he's the one doing the saving. Right. But we're like, yeah, I'm I'm receiving. So, you know, whether you I think about a football, you know, he threw the pass and you can just say, you you not even try to catch it, or you can just get in the way of it and say, "Yeah, okay, touchdown." All right. Well, if the ball hadn't been thrown, guess what? You're not gonna catch it. That's yeah, right. But he's throwing it to you, and you're like, "Well, I just can't. I have, you know, it's not up to me. Yeah, it's up to catch the pass. Jesus threw it to you. Catch I think it. I'll Let's take go. my chances without that. You that. Oh, you don't have a chance with that. <laughs> there is no chance. But that. you see what I mean now mm-hmm. about what Phil's original point. A lot of people are like, well, it's just nothing I can do. Right. We're we're just sitting around and either God chose me or he didn't. So and I'm like, Well, I he's throwing the pass to you right now. And you're like, Well, I'm just not gonna even put my hands up. So, you know, because I can't do it. I was like, No, you put you can do it. Let's gotcha. uh, let's take let's take one last break. So to your point, Jays, as we're moving through Romans here, we're giving you the big bird's eye view. He makes this exact point in Romans 9, 10, 11, because he looks back to his own heritage and where he used to be. And he, now he's talking to the Jewish people. And he says, look, you think you were chosen to be the only ones who would receive salvation. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the whole purpose of Israel was to open the door for the whole world to understand who Jesus that was. That is correct. That was the whole point of Romans 9, 10, 11. He was refuting the idea that only a select group would be able to experience salvation. Mm-hmm. So it, it's ironic that we kind of argue this idea about whether you're, how we get chosen. Well, let me, let me read another verse. that's really the point of Romans 9, 10, 11. Yeah, I agree 100%. I want to read another verse on it because I don't get... I didn't get fired up about this. <laughs> but Second Thessalonians we couldn't even tell, we couldn't 2. Now listen to this. So I'm gonna I use the football analogy. Now I'm gonna use a phone ringing. In in chapter two and thirteen of Second Thessalonians, he says, But we all always to thank God for you, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved. So from the beginning, this whole thing was worked out in God's mind to choose us to be saved. Mm-hmm. I just read it. So I agree. Through the work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Well, I know who the truth is. Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And I know when the Spirit was poured out and made available to everyone in Acts chapter 2. Yep. So for the last couple thousand years, and everybody before that, Hebrews 11 explains how that all work together but here's the point i want to make but he called you to this so he chose you from the beginning but he called you to this through our gospel yep so you say what does that mean well god called you how through the gospel so when jesus is declared his death bell resurrection that is god calling you well you got you got a choice you gonna answer the phone or not. 
<laughs> the phone is ringing. The whole book of Romans, he's saying, I'm proclaiming the gospel. We're calling people. So if this and there's power in it, if there was no, if there was just a small group chosen before, and it doesn't matter what choices you make here, well, why are we here? What are we doing here? Bigger, bigger question is why did Jesus come here? Why did he come? Why are we here? We're here because God uses us through his Holy Spirit, the message of Jesus, to call people. Yep. We're the phones of God. I thought you'd like this because you don't like a cell phone. You <laughs> yeah. need to say, I am a phone. <laughs> yeah, that's God's right. phone. <laughs> a megaphone. Yeah. You, you have a point. <laughs> so, but I'm just saying, but people say, well, I, I just don't know what to do. At some point when the phone is ringing and you're hearing Jesus, you think, you know, I might ought to answer this. <laughs> that's, right. that's exactly right. Now you say, oh, well, you, but you're... You'll be like the Apostle Paul. What you got? He said, oh, I, I have your life in my, in, in my hands. <laughs> so right. what's he telling me when <laughs> Who I... Who are you, Lord? <laughs> what's he telling me when I answer? Because people don't like to say answer because then they're like, well, you're saying there's something you can do. Well, when you answer it, he's like, and you say, what do I need to do? And he's like, surrender, which means pretty much nothing. Give up everything you got and come follow me. And you're like, okay. So he lays out. So he lays out the case, and then he lays. Or out. you, or you walk away like the rich man and say, "I, I, I, well, ju- right. I just can't do it." You don't have to answer. I'm, you're asking too much of me. Some people walk away. Now God knows who will answer, but I don't. So you follow then the logic as he's gone through, and he makes the case nine through eleven that it's open for all people, and then he gets to twelve, and he pivots in the last part of the book of Romans by going in practically of what that would look like. What would it look like for Jew and Gentile to be together? Everybody to understand what this is. And he starts out with those pivotal. That's a, that's a feat. That's a feat. To pull them two together. The mystery has been solved. Woo. It's for all people. And then he basically, in those first two verses of Romans 12, as we've quoted many times, he lays out that now there will be no more temple worship. It's no, kind of a foundational for what he's going to that's right. Say, because if you're offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, you're obviously going to be able to wrap your head around how to live in a civilization where there's governments and right. laws and cultures where how and, do you function as Jesus wants you to function in these environments? And that's what he deals with the rest of the way. So he said, and think about it from two different mindsets. The Jews are going to understand what he's saying because there's no more offering of sacrifices for sin because now Jesus has done that. He's the ultimate sacrifice. But think about it from the Gentile mindset. They've been offering up sacrifices to all these false idols, you know, all the things they're given and all these different things. Now he's saying none of that. He wants you. You are the living sacrifice. And the common theme on how to battle all these things is love. That's why when when you get, if you offer yourself as living sacrifice and you have a different way of thinking in our world, what does that look like? Well, it looks like that you're you're not going to let any debt remain outstanding except for love no matter what happens in all situations that's why when he gets to 14 talking about the weak and the strong and all the differences and you're never going to get along with everybody and we're going to have arguments in the church outside of the church about everything under the sun so he's like better have love on straight that's exactly right that's just what it's going to because i like people i like this one the lord's servant here's our job must not quarrel instead he must be kind to everyone able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance 
leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And here's my point. And that they will come to their senses. In order for a person to follow Jesus, Jace, they have to come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who's taking them captive. Well, what did Luke 15? When, you, when, you say, well, I, I, do I have the freedom to say, I'm on the wrong side of this and I need to come to my senses. Well, if you to come to your senses, you have to have the free will to come to your senses. And you have you have every... And where was that where you read? That was uh, Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.24. Well, Jesus to the Pharisees on why he was eating with sinners when he's told the prodigal son and he's in the pig pen and he's actually eating the slop, the phrase he used, verse 17, when he came to his senses. That is my point. He said. And then he did what? Maybe I should go back to the And look, you have the choice. made a choice to get up and go. Yeah, you have the choice of not coming (laughs) to your senses and keep eating the slop. I'm going to tell you this. If you're in a pig pen eating slop based on your decision-making process, <laughs> and, and you wanting to be free, and you come to your senses and say, you know what, maybe I ought to get out of here. And there's a voice telling you, no, you just can't do it. I'm going to tell you, that's not a good voice to listen to. That's correct. I would get up and run back to the Father, and I know what's going to happen. He's going to accept you. And you've got yeah. steak on the menu, ribeyes. Ribeyes. Ribeyes on well, the I menu. I said the only thing that wasn't happy during that process was that fat calf because it went, it got smoked yeah. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Going back to my killing the spider analogy, I'm just saying, I like a cow, but if someone has come from death to life and they're going to live forever, I'm fixing to sacrifice that cow, and we're going to eat some ribeyes. Ribeye. Can we go into heaven? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so you understand, I mean, when you look at it, that's the big picture of the book and, and exactly why he laid it out in the way I think way it's the greatest it book in the Bible. I well, know. you know, for, for, for understanding Christianity, it is, and we said this at the beginning, it, it is like the ultimate picture of what this well, is I think really for the church, I mean, I think the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are – Greater importance because they give you the picture of Jesus. Yep. Because what is God like? Because if you didn't know what God was like in Jesus, you wouldn't be functioning in this capacity. I mean, because if he's the head of the church, we're the body because he wrote to members of the body of Christ. Right. So, and that's why I always, you know, you got to remember, I keep saying this, but those first 16 verses, he started off with the gospel. He mentions the gospel. He, because you're the body of Christ. Jesus right. is your Lord. It, it, look, First Corinthians. I think I looked up. I think ninety four times he says Jesus is Lord in First Corinthians. It it was in the nineties. I can't remember the exact number, but ninety four times. So you said, what do you think their problem was? Well, maybe Jesus wasn't the Lord of their life. If he had to say it over 90 times, let me remind you, Jesus is Lord. Yep. Well, it was a good study. I enjoyed it. So we're going to uh, be heading to Matthew next. I guess your assignment is to uh, check out the book of Matthew because that's where we're going. Oh, we're I'm 28 ex- chapters of wonderful I'm excited. Uh, Y'all keep the faith out there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. 
And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.